Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Acts 1 and 8, this is the word of the Lord. And we want to take a few moments to talk about the birthplace of the church. How many know the birthplace of the church is in the Bible? It's a good place to start. Acts 1 verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power. Everyone say power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So what shall you receive when you get the Holy Ghost? Power. And what will you be? You will receive power and you will be a witness. Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. First you see in Acts 1 the the prophecy that is going to happen. Then in Acts 2, you see the fulfillment. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, everyone say fully come. That means time was attached to the eternal. Amen. God had a perfect timing. They were all with one accord in one place. That's a pretty big Honda. One accord. I heard a couple chuckles. You got it? All right. That was a Honda joke. Amen. Praise God. Who stole my Honda? That's like speaking in tongues right there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were standing, where they were jumping, where they were shouting. They were sitting. God can fill someone with the Holy Ghost while they're sitting there. Amen? That's good. And God can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost if they're jumping, shouting, standing. It doesn't matter the physical position. It matters the position of the heart. Amen. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that sat, that sat upon each of them. Everybody say symbol. It was, fire became a symbol of the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What gave them the ability to speak this? The Spirit did. Amen. Let me talk to you for just a little while about the Pentecostal paradox. The Pentecostal paradox. Jesus, we ask you just to touch us in the Word. Ask you to just sow into us something that would forever change our lives. We pray right now in the name of Jesus that we be receptive vessels for the Word of God. For it is by the Word of God that our faith is built. For we know that it's the hearing of the Word of God that builds our faith. And so build our faith today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, what in the world is a paradox? It's two doctors walking down the street. That's what a paradox. No, it's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. It seems to be something that would contradict itself, but when explained, it makes sense. That's what a paradox is. A paradox is also a situation, person, or thing that combines a contradictory feature, combines contradictory features or qualities. In other words, it may not look like something, but it actually 
is that thing? I just watched a little video, maybe you saw it, and there was a guy on the side of the road and he had the hood up of his car and there was smoke just barreling out of the vehicle. Have you seen this one? Maybe you haven't. Smoke just barreling out of the vehicle and he's waving his hands as cars are passing. Hey, could you help me? Could you help me? And people pull over and they walk up to the hood and the camera moves to the hood and he's got a grill set up in there and he's making hamburgers and hot dogs. And they said, it's not everything is what it appears to be. That would be a true paradox right there that once explained, it makes sense that he wanted to do an act of kindness, even though it looked like he was broken down on the side of the road. Amen. So that's a paradox, sort of, kind of. There was a, a famous statement from Abraham Lincoln whenever he went to a church one time. He said, not only do I like my preachers when they preach to look like they're swatting at a hornet's nest of bees, he said they should have passion when they preach. Amen, Brother Reese? Amen. But he also said, when questioned by one of his guards, they said, did you enjoy the sermon? And he said, I did. Did you enjoy the service? Yes. He goes, well, what did you like, Mr. Lincoln, about the sermon? He said, well, it was prepared well. He had all of his points in line. He had everything lined up and it looked good, sounded good. And he said, well, why do you seem like you weren't very pleased by the sermon? He said, because he never asked us to do anything great. And there's one thing you'll find out in the church of the living God, that you cannot do great things without a great spirit in your life. There is something that's going to come to your life that may be powerful and may be overwhelming, but the power of God is greater than anything you will ever face. And so the fact is we must be seekers of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. Because it is the gift of the Holy Ghost that allows us to compel ourselves to do great things. For it is a God of greatness who calls us to greatness far beyond our abilities, far beyond our talents and education, far beyond anything we can do. It's not talent. It's not education. None of those things can break the yoke of sin. For it is the anointing of God, the Bible says, that breaks the yokes of bondage. So if you come in here and just hear a good song, or you come in here and just hear a good sermon all lined up, I want to tell you that today you're not going to hear just another sermon. I'm going to ask you and call you to something great. I call you to the greatest movement that has ever hit the planet, the greatest outpouring that ever took place in the history of mankind, the greatest thing that has ever touched a human soul. It is the power of Almighty God in filling us with the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. It was prophesied in Acts 1, fulfilled in Acts 2 in your reading, but it was something that was perplexing because it was a birthplace of a church without a leader. It was the greatest Pentecostal paradox you will ever see. Because while you should have Jesus leading the march of his first century church, he said, I am going away and there's another coming and it's going to be the spirit for I am not leaving you, but it's not just another, it's me in another form. I'm going to fill you. I'm going to be in you and I'm going to guide you. In other words, Jesus said, I've come to conquer death, hell and the grave so I can build a bunch of people just like me that can conquer conquer death, hell, and the grave. We were the firstborn, amen, of Jesus Christ. He was the firstborn, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and we were born in him. So therefore, we should put on the spirit of Christ Jesus. 
that we should walk in the newness of life. And I'm not talking about the power in order to move the church forward in the first century because the church was attacked. It was a bunch of misfits. It was people scattered. The disciples were completely scattered. I don't know if they had much faith at all. I mean, in fact, it seems like that they were quite scared because they were shut up, locked in, and they were doing what Jesus said, but they were behind locked doors. They weren't interested in getting into the streets and talking about Jesus. They had seemingly very little faith at the moment. The tank was kind of on empty, but when Jesus walked into the room, when his presence showed up, there was a boldness that came over them. And I want you to know that boldness can be in your life, and that boldness can be in my life, and we can see a place where we may have little or lack, but when Jesus shows up, he becomes all-sufficient in every need. Does anybody still believe in the supremacy of Jesus Christ and that he is all-sufficient for every need? So I'm talking more than just a moment in time. I'm talking about a moment in us where we experience our own powerful move of God. We experience the presence of God in such a way that it forever changes our life. There true is two major doctrines in the church of, of, of this day. The doctrine of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And the doctrine of repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and then filling of the Holy Ghost. I had a friend who said that I'm not interested in going any further in the doctrine of repentance, water, baptism in Jesus' name, and infilling of the Holy Ghost because I'm good where I am in my faith. And I understood that. And I asked them, I looked them right in the eyes, and I said, how long have you been in church? And how long have you seen people that have believed on Jesus Christ but have never been delivered from their addictions, never been delivered from the things that are in their life? I want you to know that there may be a church that's producing conceptions all over the United States. There may be a church that's bringing people to repentance all over the United States, but we need to be a church that not only gets them to conception but delivers the baby, amen, that brings them fully through the birth canal, that brings them fully out into the world and develops them and gives them deliverance from addiction and pain and sin and suffering. Amen. Somebody. I know the paradox in my own life. You know it in your life where you want to live for God the best you can, but you have moments where you slip up. Anybody want to be real in here today? I'm not just talking about my diet. <laughs> I'm just talking about wanting to get slim, wanting to be skinnier, but yet also wanting Chinese takeout. <laughs> You know, that, that whole feel of having that, that mix of feelings. Paul talked about it where he was fighting the spirit and he's fighting the flesh, torn between two things, the paradox that was in his life. He was dealing with not just flesh and spirit, but he was also dealing with the presentation of the power of God when he would speak, yet having issues in his own body and not being very presentable as a man when he came. He said, I didn't, I didn't come to you in, in, in great oration of words and great, and great presentation of presence. I didn't look good in a suit. I didn't have everything all pulled together. But when I stepped up and I began to speak the word of the Lord, there was a power that you felt in the Holy Ghost. And the difference between seeing a church that conceives and a church that has new birth is the fact that when you come in to this place, there is a power of the Holy Ghost. And if you don't feel it, you should join in and worship till you feel it. We don't praise God because we feel him. We we praise God until we feel him. We seek after him. We pursue him. Amen, somebody. 
So I don't praise God just because I want to feel him. I praise God because I enjoy his presence all week. And even though his spirit walks with me, there's moments where someone cuts me off in traffic. Hello, somebody. And the first word to my mind is not, God bless you, have a good day. Anybody real here? And I have to filter, hello, somebody. I have to filter my flesh and say, no, my Pentecostal experience is more important than my feelings at the moment. When I feel like I don't have victory, I have to remind myself that my Pentecostal experience creates a paradox in me where I have victory in Christ Jesus even when I don't feel like I have victory. When my body tells me you're getting older, amen, somebody, and you're not as limber as you used to be and those joints don't work as well when you put both feet on the floor and while I'm there in the morning looking down contemplating which sock to put on which foot, I'm going, Lord, help me because I have lots to do today and I already feel tired. I know that there is still strength in the Lord if I can just get to my prayer room. Somebody said amen. So God never leaves us or forsakes us, but have you ever felt lonely in a room full of people? Amen. Because loneliness is a condition of the soul. And guess what? He will handle the loneliness, but there is this pull between the two. It's the greatest paradox you'll ever see. It's seemingly contradictory, but in it, Somehow we grow stronger. God gives his children rest. And we believe that even when we're staring at the ceiling at 3 a.m. Amen? If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But every gift in the scripture was tied to time. Did you see that? He said when time was fully come, he gave the gift of the Holy Ghost. That means your eternal is supposed to affect your natural. Amen? There's several precedents that are set by the Pentecostal paradox. Number one is eternal things were always supposed to have an impact and change things in time. The other is that Jerusalem did not receive what they should have received, but it was where it was there that they still received it. In other words, they didn't receive Jesus when he came, but when he came in spirit, it was still in Jerusalem, and they received it. Humanity, in verse 22 that I had read to you in Acts 2, it was influenced by deity. In other words, they said that he was a man approved by God in Acts chapter 2. And the reason why he was approved by God, they understood, was he, he was a man that worked miracles. So the precedent was, if you work miracles, you are approved of by God. And so what happened was when Paul or when Peter began to preach the message in Acts chapter 2, he took them through an understanding of what was taking place in Acts when there was a spirit, when the spirit was poured out and then they had spilled out into the streets. And he said, these men are not drunk, seeing as it is the third hour of the day. They were experiencing something that made them seem like they were drunk, but they hadn't drank wine. Amen. There was, they were drinking what the Bible calls new wine. Amen. 
Amen? The Holy Ghost. And so what took place was Peter needs to tell them what's going on, and he, he goes back and starts to talk about Jesus, a man approved by God, which they would understand because of the miracles that Jesus worked. It wasn't just their faith, but they believed in Jesus because of what he had done, amen? That he, they believed him on, the wor on his works, that he had worked miracles. So we find out that humanity often is what brings in deity, amen? It is your Bible study with your neighbor that introduces them to Jesus. It is your walk with God that is a testimony, whether you know it or not. People watch what you do and what you say, and you are the humanity that is carrying the spirit of God inside of you, and that same spirit will touch their life and minister to them. If you walk with God, they will see it, and they will say, what is it about you that forever changed you? I grew up in the church. I'm going on 36 years of being filled with the Holy Ghost in June, on June 4th, and I'm really happy about that. There is nothing greater than being filled with the Holy Ghost. And I want to encourage you to do a great thing today. Not just hear a sermon, but seek the gift. Seek the gift of the Holy Ghost because it will forever change your life. It will forever change your life. It not only keeps you, it not only, it not only directs you, but it protects you. Amen. So God has done great things in my life because of it. And there are so many awesome experiences that we see happening in the book of Acts right here. In chapter 2, in the verse, first verse, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And I know I made a joke about that. But then it says, and suddenly, everyone say suddenly. When God gets ready to do something in your life, it's going to be suddenly. Just know that it's not going to be a moment where you feel like it's being dragged out, but God will come in and do some things suddenly. And I already felt like I prayed over somebody for Monday. I feel you've got a new day coming. Amen, somebody. So there was a sound of there's a, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there sat upon, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. First of all, I want you to notice that what I read to you in Acts 1 and 8 was the word of prophecy. God always gives his word first. And then he lays on top of his word a symbol that represents what he has done. We see in the second chapter that he, that he sends the symbol of fire to represent as it sat upon each of their heads that God had filled them with the Holy Ghost. This particular experience apparently was written to say that it looked like fire. It was some sort of spiritual experience that looked like fire. God had filled the room. And so we have the word, then we have a symbol, and then we have the power of God in intimacy. Everyone say intimacy. Whenever you see places in scripture where God says, depart from me, I never knew you. That word know there or knew you in the original language is the same word that is used in the original text back in Genesis where it says that Adam knew Eve and they conceived and bare a child. In other words, what it's saying is that when God first puts his word out, then he filled the church with his spirit and showed a symbol of 
fire. Then he came in and presented himself in their vessels. They became filled with the Holy Ghost, which gave them the power to know God in an intimate way that produces something. For Adam and Eve, it produced offspring. For us in the church, it produces fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance, all of those different things that it talks about. So we have to understand that when in Scripture, when it says that there were people that were presented before the Lord at the day of judgment, what a terrible thing it would be to stand before the Lord and not be sure that you were ready to meet him. Amen? But we can be sure through this word that we understand when people were presented to God and Matthew and he said, haven't we, they said, haven't we done great things in your name? We've prayed. We've cast out devils. It's one thing to know the power of the name of Jesus and to have faith in God, but not know the God in intimate form that you are walking with. It's one thing to say, I know God. It's another thing to say, I have Jesus living on the inside of me. And so what we have to understand is we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost because his holy is the only way that we can be holy. Amen, somebody. So the paradox is how does flesh in us dwell with a holy God who dwells in us? The beautiful thing is that when we see God fill his church with the Holy Ghost, that symbol comes and then there is power in the church. There's an intimacy. There's an opportunity to create other Christians, an offspring in the church. So the power of God is literally the ability to know God and to have God speak to you and teach you from his word. Anybody here besides me have the word of God illuminated whenever you got the Holy Ghost. For some reason, this book was just a book you read for a while, and it was something that had good principles, but when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, this thing came alive. Anybody else besides me had that happen for you? So I wonder why in, in Romans 10, 9, it says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and then he that believeth not shall be damned. But then in Acts chapter 2, we have a church that's preaching, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the experience that we're celebrating today in the church. Pentecost Sunday, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The reason why is because Romans Romans is written to a church that is already saved. Romans is written to the church that Paul planted. And he said, you're struggling in your faith. I want you to know that your baptism still stands. And your faith in God still stands. And your experience in God still stands. So what he's dealing with is not just, is not a contradiction to what is being preached in Acts 2. Romans 10 and 9 is an affirmation that believers did not just say, I believe on Jesus Christ and did nothing else with their life. They believed. And in the following passage of Romans 10, you see how can they believe unless there is a preacher sent? And how shall they believe the preacher without the gospel? In other words, it says, blessed are the feet of those that carry the gospel. He's Paul is linking the fact that you not only need faith to save you, but you need the power of God in your life. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. You need repentance, water baptism, in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. 
It's powerful. It's in Acts 2. It's in Acts 8. It's in Acts 10. It's in Acts 19. All the different places. But why in the world wouldn't they just have a closed door session? Why not just have the Holy Ghost fall in the upper room? Celebrate, have church, go to Applebee's. Why not? Why not? The, okay, do the Cracker Barrel, whatever. Go, go wherever you like. But why not just have the church, the ones closest to God's, the, 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 one that were, the ones that were his disciples, why not just have the Holy Ghost feel so good in here, in, in the upper room, and just leave it there? Because the Bible says that the men that were in Jerusalem and the women and whoever, the Bible uses men because it references men in those days, were devout men. They were people that loved God and served God they were coming from all over the place. Maybe even some traveling from Ethiopia as far away as different places like Crete and different places that you would have to travel days and even months to get to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And they were all there to serve Jehovah God. They were people who loved. Hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. They had been converted and even some baptism, baptized into their conversion of Judea they were people that love God with all their heart. So are you telling me that the upper room spilled out into the street because God wanted to reach more than his devout folks in the upper room? You betcha I'm telling you that. God honored the people that came and were devout men and men of faith and they were in the city and God spilled out into the city. The power of God. And they're like, how is it? that we hear these Galileans speaking in our language that we were born to. The language is not from here. We were converted, but yet they're speaking in a language that we hear from our own native tongue, from where we were born. It was an, a witness to them that God had done something miraculous. And I want you to know there's power in that. Is it still like that today? Does that mean that we speak in the tongues of men and in angels or just men? You decide, you study the scriptures, you find out. But I know this, that Reverend Nichols, when he went to Russia, he had to be snuck into a very secret, organi a very secret organized service because they were still under communism. This was when he was there preaching the gospel. And Reverend Nichols, I've talked to him in San Antonio at the, at the San Antonio conference. My wife and I were just a year married. It was a beautiful year. Amen, somebody. That was a celebration of my wife. Sorry. It got fit right in there because she's beautiful. And, and you know what? It's a paradox that I'm married to her because, you know, look at this and look at that. It's, just, it's amazing. The Holy Ghost does work. Just kidding. Just kidding. But what happened was we walked in, we were walking into conference and Brother Nichols was walking there and he has the effects of radiation in his body because he's gone to preach in places that were near and, and affected by the Chernobyl out, you know, explosion. So he said, I don't care about my physical body. I have to carry this message of the gospel to people and God has blessed him. But when he got there and he began to sneak, they had to take him on a bus one way, then get him in a taxi and go the other way. And it said, it took him four to five hours just to get to a service that lasted for maybe an hour. And they went down in this building and there was no windows. And they had they, they, could, they could praise, but they had to praise and they had to have people watching. They had to have pe people on guard, like Brother Dan is out there for us today. People watching and taking notice of what's going on outside the church service. 
So if there was somebody that came up to the doors, one of the runners would come in and say, they're coming, they're coming. And they would convert everything over to a teaching session, and he would talk about health care. <laughs> Or something along those lines. It would convert. Everybody would sit down, and they would have to be in a teaching session. And Brother Nichols was teaching, and he came from America to teach. But before that, they were having a worship service. And the power of God began to move, kind of like it was doing just a minute ago. And we began to feel God in this place. And he was preaching. He was going to be preaching in just a minute. And God was falling. And he was like, people were coming to the altar. And they were lifting their hands. And they were making themselves a willing vessel for God to fill them. And, and he, he listened. And everyone is speaking in tongues. And everyone's just worshiping God. Some are speaking even in Russia in their native language. And there's a woman over here just jumping up and down, just worshiping the Lord. And this may seem strange to you, I realize, but this is what happened because he told me from his own mouth. She was worshiping over there and she's saying, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. Glory to God in the highest. Bless your name, O Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And he's like, we got an American in our midst. Someone's worshiping the Lord in my language. And so he goes and he talks to the native pastor. He's like, who's this young lady right over here? Where's she from? And he's like, oh, that's Elizabeth. And he's like, where is she from? He's like, she's from Kazakhstan. She's not, is she American? No, she's Russian born. She doesn't know English. He's like, what do you mean she doesn't know English? He's like, she hasn't spoken a lick of English in her life. He goes, I just heard her magnifying the Lord in, in a language. He goes, he goes, well, let's go talk to her. Maybe she does know English. So they walk over there after service. They're like, hey, this is Elizabeth. And he's like, hi. And he shakes her hand. And she speaks a little bit of Russian. And then the Russian interpreter translates. And he said, where did you learn such fluent English? And she said, I, I, she talks to the interpreter, I don't know English. And he said, well, you were over here worshiping the Lord and praising. And she said, I was speaking in tongues. For her, her language was English. There was also another story of Brother Lee Stone King who came to preach. I lived in Stockton, California for a while. And, and my, pa my pastor was the pastor of a very large church, and we were having a service with Lee Stone King, and he told the story. He was in a service, and he began to speak in tongues. And God fell on him, and he was praying over people. And he said his tongue changed for some reason. He, he was praying in tongues, but for some reason, it just took on a little bit different essence for some reason that day. And he didn't quite understand it. And at the end of the day, a man from the back who was a professor came up to him and says, where did you learn Jewish like that? He goes, I, I don't know Jewish. He goes, you spoke the most beautiful Eskenazi I have ever heard. He goes, you are speaking a language that is dead. No one speaks that language anymore. And when you spoke it, I could not believe it. He said, sir, I was speaking in tongues and prophesying over the congregation. I don't know if it was Eskenazi. I believe that's how you say it. But I know it was a Jewish dialect. And Lee Stone King was the one that told the story. You can check on it. Go Google it if you want to. He probably tells it again. But what he was saying was sometimes God will use the gift of the Holy Ghost to speak to people that have faith in their heart but don't have the infilling of the Holy Ghost yet. So that they're influenced and they're pushed toward it. So that they have a revelation of it. Amen, somebody.
So that is why we see that this is not a message that contradicts Romans 10 and 9. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. This is a message that is for you to know that the gift is what gets you there. It's the gift is what leads you, is what guides you, is what directs you, is what helps you. And now in our Pentecostal experience, we are living, breathing paradoxes. We are sometimes doing good, sometimes not so good. Sometimes we're feeling blessed, sometimes we're not feeling blessed. But sometimes, if you look at the scripture, it says that they were confounded. They were amazed. They marveled. This is the first, the first encounter of Marvel Universe. I hope they asked if they could steal the rights. This is amazing what happened. And they began to be born of the Spirit. And they knew that they were born of the Spirit because they spoke in tongues. And so the conflict is not, should we or should we not? The thing that we need to embrace is, if there's more, I want it. And so the experience that spilled out from the upper room into the streets was just to show them more has come. Would you like it? And the Bible says that 3,000 were added to the church. And then after that, more were added to the church daily. So yes, I believe in speaking with tongues. I don't think it's hard for me to stand here and preach a message about being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues today. You're not throwing tomatoes at me. If you, if you never come back because you don't believe the doctrine of speaking in tongues, go ahead and just Google T.D. Jakes. Go ahead and Google some of the mainstream preachers that are out there. And you let them get a little ways into their sermon, you'll hear them pull the mic away, the mic away and speak in tongues because they've experienced it. It's not something like it was with my grandfather. My grandfather started three churches. You know how he did it? This is how you start a church back in the 60s. You got a guitar. A guitar, yes, a guitar. And you stood on a street corner and you strummed that guitar and you sang praises. And then when you got people gathered around you, you put your guitar down, you opened the Bible and you preached the word of God. And then you would go baptize people and you would get them filled with the Holy Ghost. And then you would start two, you start with four, start with six, and you'd build into a church. And that's how you built the church of the living God. People hated my grandfather. People thought he was from the wrong side of the tracks. People called him, to said he was a cult leader, that he was in a cult. And guess what? Nowadays, people who are on TBN, people are who, who are on mainstream YouTube channels that have emails coming to me every day with promotions and with, with spiritual encouragement, they speak in tongues. So what they are experiencing is what, what my grandfather was experiencing back in the day that just wasn't received yet. People just couldn't bring themselves to receive it. But there was still more available if they wanted it. The truth of the word of God doesn't become less true just because we don't want to believe it. It's still true. And guess what? Just because the world is more receiving of speaking in other tongues doesn't mean it's any less powerful back then than it is now or any less powerful today than it was then. It is a message that has stood the test of time. And the people who are filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, no matter the contradictions, no matter the moments they feel like a hypocrite, no matter the times they feel good or bad, up or down, victory 
or lost. They are still the people of God, filled with his spirit, on their way to heaven, living for God in a place that produces great things. God made us a Pentecostal paradox to confound and amaze and and to marvel the world. If you've never heard this kind of preaching, I encourage you to seek the gift. I'll say it again. They were not drunk. Joel said, it's for all flesh. Does all flesh mean all flesh? It sure does. That means if you say, no, this is not for me, then that's contradictory to the word of Joel. Joel said, it's, this, this shall be poured out on all flesh. And then Peter picks it up. In, the, in Acts 2, when he's preaching, he said, men and brethren, this is that. This is the thing that Joel talked about when he prophesied. It's now come to pass, and it's been living in the church ever since, and maybe this is your first introduction to it, but guess what? It's the best introduction you ever had because it is something that will forever guide you and lead you and protect you. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if it lives in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. That means it will make you rapture ready. Whenever Jesus calls us home, you're going with. Amen, somebody. And I wrap up in Acts 8 and 9, where it says, believe and baptize, but not yet, but they were not yet filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 and 9, if you have that verse, chapter 8, verse 9, it says, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria given out, giving out that himself was some great one. Everybody say, see there that he did things by a power and they believed that he was a great man because that was the, that was the concept of the day. That's why Peter said Jesus was approved of God because of his miracles. They already had the concept. If you can do things like that, you're a great man. To whom they all gave heed from the, day, from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the great power of God. I'm having a hard time reading through the fire. Keep going. And to him, they had regard because that of long time, he had bewitched them with sorceries. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very kind. Could you go to the next verse? But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Everyone say baptized. Preaching produced baptism. I already hit that word went forth, symbol came next, and then intimacy. The world's got it backwards. They're chasing, they're, they're going to clubs, they're going to places, and they're chasing after the body, the physical the intimacy part. The world, the, the devil always inverts everything that God does. He says, do intimacy first, then put a ring on it, and then make your vows. Or make your vows, then put a ring on it. So what we have is we have word, symbol, intimacy. Instead of intimacy, a ring on it, and then have a commitment. So, But when they believe Philip preaching, that was just, uh, I don't know, a bunny trail. Excuse me while I kill a bunny. But when they believe Philip preaching the things concerning, don't call Peter, I killed a bunny today. The things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized both men and women. So they heard the preaching. The preaching produced an action. These were believers. But the believers, they moved toward what they had been taught. They didn't just say, I believe that. But go to the next verse if you would. 
So now we have them hearing the gospel. They went and got baptized. Do you have verse uh, 13 or did I not give that to you? I just love walking through the scriptures apparently. Let me get it for you. Hey, thank you. Then Simon himself believed also. Who's Simon? He's a sorcerer. But he believed on Christ? That's what every mainstream church is preaching, believing on Christ, right? Correct? And when he believed he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Now we got Simon believing and Simon baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, right? That's what one scripture says. Let's go on. And wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Next verse, if you would. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. So they sent Peter and John to them. Next verse. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Why? Why are you praying for them to receive the Holy Ghost? Didn't they receive the Holy Ghost when they believed? That's the main teaching of, of a modern church. But apparently, Peter and John were confused. <laughs> Peter and John understood that the baptism of the Holy Ghost had a symbol that came with it, a sign. And we're not seeking signs. That's not what we're saying. But we're saying this is the pattern that was set before us. This is the Pentecostal paradox, is that what you think is one way can be another way. And so Simon thinks that he's believed and he's baptized, and then he starts to see these miracles. And then these, these two disciples come down, for as yet as he had not fallen upon none of them. In other words, it's saying they prayed for them to receive the Holy Ghost because they knew the Holy Ghost hadn't fallen upon them. How did they know this? Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So he, they point out, they, they received the gospel, they were baptized in Jesus' name, but the Holy Ghost hadn't fallen yet. And he said, and they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. How did they know that they hadn't received the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is invisible, right? Were we standing in here worshiping and we believe the Holy Ghost was here? Did anybody see the Holy Ghost? Anybody see the Holy Ghost walk down that, that aisle over there? Well, nobody, nobody's... Watch what happens. This is how they knew. Next verse. And when Simon saw this through the laying on of hands, the apostle, laying on of the apostles' hands of the Holy Ghost was given, the Holy Ghost was given through the laying on of hands. He offered them money. Something took place that Simon the sorcerer, when they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost, something took place that Simon wanted to buy for money. He said, whatever that just was, I have never seen that before in my life. I will buy that if you give me the ability to lay my hands on somebody and that happen. And so then go to the next verse. If you would, thank you. But Peter, they keep up with me. I appreciate it. Give our media team a big hand because they stay up with me. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought the gift of God. Everyone say the gift of God may be purchased with money. He said, your money is going to perish and you are too. But I thought he believed and was baptized and is saved. Wait a minute. This is a contradiction. We got a paradox here. Let's go on. Thank you so much, media team. I appreciate you. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Keep going. I, for I perceive that thou art in gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. All of this bondage was still on him. 
because he hadn't received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. The Holy Ghost is the birthplace. That is where you get set free from everything. That is where you get set free from addictions, set free from problems. I don't know if you guys know some of the stories that have taken place, but there was this way back when, this cross and the switchblade. I don't know if anybody knows the story of Wilkerson, but he was running a teen challenge in, in Chicago, and they brought people in that had drugs, and the drugs that were in their system were supposed to stay in their system all of their life. Even if they recover and they never do those drugs again, there is a remnant of that drug left in their bloodstream. And when you take their blood, you can see it. And when they began to sample blood, the blood of the different individuals that were delivered, they said, we don't know why, but this, this particular chemical should stay in your bloodstream, but you don't have any of it in your blood. You were addicted to this? Yes, I was. I was very addicted. When did it, when did, when did the thing, when did your addiction change? And they said, when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, they said, you, you had an experience and that changed your bloodstream? That doesn't make any sense. That's complete contradictory. That's a paradox in my mental mind and in my medical mind. But guess what? Somehow in the situation, they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And not only were they delivered from the addiction, they were delivered from ever any traces of ever having been addicted. That is true story. You can look it up. And so then I perceive that thou art a man of God. Go to the next verse. Then answered Simon and said, pray for me. He has a change of heart. Thank God. Pray for me, the Lord, pray, pray ye the Lord for me, this is King James, I'm paraphrasing, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Go to the next verse. And they and they, when they had testified, preached the word of the Lord and returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages and of the Samaritans. I don't know if, uh, if he got the Holy Ghost or not, but I wanted to show you in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 10 in verse um, 10 through 16. I'll finish with this. If you jump over there for me, I wanted to show you, show you what they did. And it became... And he became very hungry. That's because that's a work of the Lord. When I become very hungry, I know the Holy Ghost is moving. <laughs> Which you guys are very hungry right now. So we'll get out of here in just a minute. And would have eaten, but while he was made ready, he fell into a trance. So this is Peter on a rooftop in a town called Joppa. And he has he is um, being sent for from some servants of a man by the name of Cornelius. This is very important information because Cornelius was a man who was devout Number one, he gave alms. Number two, and he was in prayer always, the Bible says. God keeps track of the gifts you give. God keeps track of the places you go and attend. And God keeps track of how much you pray. Amen? That's what it says. Because he sent an angel to Cornelius and said, go to Joppa and ask for a man named Peter. So he sent two of his servants, including a soldier, I believe. And they went and they found Peter. And Peter's on this rooftop. And he got hungry. And he has this trance. And he saw heavens open and a certain vessel descending unto him. And it had, this is a trance, a vision that Peter is having. And it had been great sheet, uh, great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. And it says, and whereon were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowl of the air. He wasn't supposed to eat any of those because he was a Jew. He was not supposed to touch that stuff. And it said, and there came a voice that says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So when that, when that sheet came down with good food on there, some bacon and some sushi, can I get any help in here today? Some good food on there. He said, no, sir. I, no, Lord, I have never, nothing unclean has ever passed through these lips. And then 
So when he told the Lord, I have never eaten anything common or unclean, go to the next verse. Look what the Lord says. And the voice of God spake unto him again and said, what God has cleansed, do not call thou common. In other words, if God has cleansed anyone, do, n- do not ever call them common. In fact, if you hear a voice in your mind ever tell you that you're common or you're just, you're just unclean, it's not from God. It is from your enemy, and he is trying to convince you that you're not worthy of the power of the Holy Ghost being in you. And so then it goes on to the next verse. And so he hears, he hears all of these things. He sees all these things. It happens three times. Go to the next verse. Jump, actually, just do me a favor and jump over to the other reference I gave you, verse 20. And then arise, therefore, and get thee down and go and with them. So then he, said, he hears the Lord telling them to go with them to Cornelius' house. And then get verse 44 through 48. And I'll finish there, I promise. I prayed too much and prepared too much, obviously. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Okay, so here he is. We're back. He's preaching the gospel. And what happens? The Holy Ghost falls. And they that are of the circumcision, that means the Jews that came with, they brought several people with them. Peter went and he said, we got to go down. Something's going on in the Italian folk. (laughs) This shouldn't be happening. Only Jews were supposed to go to heaven. Now we got Italians and Gentiles. They're all, something's going on. God's moving. So he goes, they're astonished. As many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know again? How did they know they had the gift of the Holy Ghost? Next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That is how you know. God then then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we did? He said, they got it just like us. They received it. This this is such a paradox. It's not supposed to be happening. Only Jews are supposed to be getting into the kingdom. And he said, but I, I can't deny what God has done because I heard them experience it just like we did in the upper room. And that is the Pentecostal experience because he heard them speak with tongues. In Acts 19, they baptized people again because they did not know that they needed to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You can get baptized again. If you feel like you've been filled with the Spirit, I dare you to just seek God till He fills you so full that it spills out the top of your vessel. Amen. I dare you. You can stand with me. I know I've been long, but it's Pentecost Sunday. We have to hit the Pentecostal experience. And you know what's most beautiful? Is Paul is preaching to the church at Antioch. This is a church that's been developed by people that fled his persecution. There's people that have been saved in Antioch, but there's also, they, they believe, scholars, that they were pushed out of Jerusalem because Paul, who was Saul, was persecuting the church and thought he was doing the right thing. But while he's on his donkey, yeah, I, I need some... <laughs> some coconuts for a Monty Python reference. But he was on his donkey riding to Damascus and the Lord showed up in a light and slapped that dude off his donkey. And he laid on the ground and was struck blind and he ended up in the house. Of, I don't even remember. Where, where did he go? 
Ananias, was he in Ananias' house? I know Ananias was sent to pray for him, right? And so then I have Ananias called him brother before he was even filled with the Holy Ghost, which was interesting that he did that. He knew that God was going to do a work in his life. And so what we see is that Paul, who was Saul, who was persecuting the church, Paul ends up at the church at Antioch where there's a very real possibility that there were people that were persecuted by him. And the Bible says they were called Christians first at Antioch because I believe that they noticed that there was a Pentecostal paradox that took place in Paul, that he wasn't the same man he used to be, that God forever changed him. And I want to encourage you that every single human being, no matter who they were, Paul was, Saul was a murderer. Paul was a miracle worker, amen? God can change any situation in your life. There's nothing new under the sun, the scripture says. Doesn't matter where you come from or what you've been. Where you've been or what you've done, God's grace is sufficient and his power is real. And I want us to just make this whole place a prayer room like I love to do. If you just bring the lights down, I'd love to do that because I just feel like it's a place where we can focus our mind on God. And if you want the Holy Ghost today, I'm asking you to seek the gift, to come before God and say, God, I want to make myself an open vessel. I want to make myself a willing vessel. It's going to take some praise. It's going to take your openness. It's going to take you reaching for God and seeking after him. But God can fill you just like he filled those in the first church. And I want those that are filled with the Holy Ghost to begin to pray and seek God. Maybe you've been at a place of faith and you want to go further. Maybe you've been at a place of faith and you want to do more and you want to see more of God in your life. This is your opportunity today. I'm not saying you're changing everything. I'm saying that you're taking a new step. And if you take the step, God will direct your path. I'm praying that right now. Bow your heads with me. If you are seeking God for the Holy Ghost, God bless you right now. And Jesus name. Lord, I'm praying a prayer for everyone that's here. If they haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues, help them to search it out. Help them to search the scriptures to know that you still have this experience for people today, that you are going to pour out your spirit on all flesh, that, that anyone that whosoever will, that wants it, can receive an experience like that, and that it forever will change the heart and mind of a human being in a, and forever change a spiritual destination. God, we are eternal beings in an earthly body. Help us to focus on the spiritual affecting the natural. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray over everyone here that they will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I declare it in the name of Jesus, either now or in the next few weeks, months, that somebody in this room will begin to seek God with all their heart and you will fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. That it is an experience for them, an experience that will forever change their life and put them on a trajectory that changes their destiny. In Jesus' name I pray. In the name of the Lord I pray. 
Come on, let's seek the Lord right now. Let's ask God to move right now. God, I cannot make anything happen, but you are able to move in a heart, to move in a life. Make yourself available to it. Just surrender yourself to it. You don't have to do anything powerful. You don't have to make anything, any kind of amazing gesture. You can Even in the Bible, they were sitting when they received the Holy Ghost. Just make yourself available to it. If God begins to speak through your tongue, go ahead and let that happen right now. In the name of Jesus, I command your spirit that you would allow us to receive the Holy Ghost on Pentecost Sunday, that you would move in this place in such a way that we know you are here and that we begin to feel your presence and that someday when we stand before you, you can say that we knew you in an intimate place, that we stood in the secret place of the Most High of God because we had a secret anointing. We had the power of God down on the inside. We had the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's seek him for a minute. If you want to pray, pray. Ask God to fill you with his spirit and take it with you if you need to go. But go with the understanding that God's going to fill me. In your morning prayer time, ask God and seek the gift. In your afternoon or evening prayers, seek the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's celebrate the Lord. Let's just clap our hands to God right now as we worship God in this place.